Hello and welcome to The Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson, and you know by now that I long to help dads become heroes, which includes bringing you relevant topics week by week that support that goal, especially when it comes to the dad-daughter relationship. And I want you dads, week by week, envision yourselves. I don't know if you're a visual learner, but I am. Picture yourself standing side by side, other fathers getting ready to run your fathering race in a new way this week. I'm your coach standing on the sidelines, cheering you on, saying, on your mark, get set, go. On your mark is the topic every week. Get set is filling that in so you're ready to bound forward. And then go is an action step that's practical every week to put this topic into action to reach the heart of your daughter and your sons. Well, today, you are going to love this guest who is joining us. I guarantee you, I'm going to tell you on the front end, just grab a pen and some paper, grab the note, your note app on your phone, because you are going to be getting a ton of good stuff. So my friend Jackson Drumgool has been a friend, I would say, mm, probably the past three years, when he had read my book, contacted me, and at that point, he was... Uh, stationed at Fort Lewis in Washington, and he's now traveled across the country. He's in Washington, D.C., where he is the, okay, listen to this. I had to have him write it down. (laughs) Chief of Force Management and Integration within the Force Management Enterprises Department. Okay, I'm not done. Headquarters Department of the Army at the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. Okay, there, I said it. Now, okay, I got to tell you one more thing about Jackson before I say welcome, but Really, the the thing, even though he's been in the Army for over 20 years and has a passion for our country, he is a passionate dad raising three daughters. Lyric is 13, and he has twins, Journey and Jansen, who are nine. And in 2013, he was given the Father of the Year Award by the National Father's Day Committee, which is an award that recognizes lifestyle leaders of our culture who are dedicated to family, citizenship, charity, civility, responsibility, and reverence. How's that for a packed credential? (laughs) And just to show what a distinct honor this is, past fathers of the year have included Shaquille O'Neal, General Colin Powell, and Senator John Edwards. So, Jackson, it is an honor to have you here today. And may I say, Major Jackson Drumgool. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. Well, I had you this past summer be a guest blogger for my Dad Daughter Friday series, and you, honestly, I think you win the prize, Jackson, for the best title. Um, Dads are thermostats, not thermometers. And so we're going to be weaving what that means into our conversation today. And so I'm going to be asking him about that, but just let me say first that I have had more positive comments from both men and women in response to what Jackson wrote than I have any other blog. So that's why I wanted to bring him on this program today so you could hear his heart. Thank you, Jackson, for taking the time today out of your intense schedule to be here. Oh, well, thank you so much again for having me. I'm honored. Well, on your mark, like I said, today the title is Dads are Thermostats, Not Thermometers. So now forget set. Okay, I encourage you guys to put your seatbelt on because we're going to pack a lot in. We're going to go fast. And I want you to hear as much wisdom as you can from this wise and seasoned father as possible. I got a lot of questions to ask. You ready, Jackson? Let's go. (laughs) Okay, let's roll. Well, how about if we start by you just sharing a little bit about your upbringing and your relationship with your dad growing up? I was raised in a working class African-American community in Augusta, Georgia. I mean, this is the home of the Masters, the home of the uh, Cyber Center down at Fort Gordon. Uh, in retrospect, this was a very rich time. I mean, this was the late 60s during the height of the Civil Rights Movement and the Vietnam War, when I believe that fathers truly fought for their families. 
Now, in my neighborhood, of only a few hundred families, we had several models of modern-day manhood, as it were. And my father was one of those models. I mean, we had military leaders. My dad was one of those leaders. We had educators, school principals, police officers, pastors, attorneys, judges, medical doctors. And out of that little community, we had the first African-American mayor of Augusta, Georgia. Mm. And my father, he, he retired. Yeah, I mean, he was crazy. He was amazing. And my father, he retired from the Army in 1971 after two tours in the Korean War and two tours in the Vietnam War. Now, the only reason I mention this is because, like many other vets, he rarely talked about his military days. I mean, he saw the military as a job, but he was honored to serve for 20-plus years. Mm -hmm. Now, he was born during the, the Great Depression in the South himself, and the military afforded up mobility for our family. This is our relationship in those days. This is what he and I talked about. You know, son, get your education and stay out of trouble. But I'll tell you, Michelle, mm -hmm. he was then and he still is today at 87 years old, my hero. Oh, my goodness. Wow, what a, what a legacy he's left you. Well, let me just even ask this. is What kind of a role model was he in the way that he led you as a father? Like all of us, you know, my, my father, he was a product of his OATs, his OATs, his observations, his associations, and his mm, teachings. I've never heard that phrase. That's really cool. Yeah, that's how he was. And it was a much different time than Michelle, a much different time. He was born, I'd say, in the South in the 30s, you know, raised during the Great Depression. You know, his father died when he was just five years old, so his models were his older brothers and other men along his path. You know, growing up, my father was a great provider and protector, but to be honest with you, there was not a lot of conversation or discussion. Mm. You know, nonetheless, you know, he was a powerful and very peaceful president in the home. Like I say, at 87, year old, 87 years old, he does still provide that calm. Mm. Like you said, not a lot of conversation or discussion, and then here you are thrown into the deep end with girls that like to talk. <laughs> you know? There you go. So there you've you go. told me that you had sisters. Like, so here you are with daughters. Anything yeah. you can say about what you watched in terms of how your dad interacted with your sisters? Well, let's see. You know, as a father, I tend to engage more. I tend to ask more questions. I do have three sisters and two older brothers. Uh, but my father, I he did. He instilled hard work and he instilled grit. But I have some pretty tough sisters, and honestly, I have my dad to thank for that. Mm-hmm. Well, you, okay, speaking of hard work and grit, no doubt yeah. you've got that. You've been in the military for 22 years. And, okay, I'm going to ask you a question. It might not even be what you're thinking about, but I would imagine that when you're at work, right, you got military brain, I guess I'll call it for lack of a better word. <laughs> yeah. And then you come home and you've got to switch tracks where now you've got your daughters that are, you know, little, little women growing up in your presence. Yeah. And have you learned anything over the years that's helped you navigate switching your work brain, your military brain, onto family daughter brain, you know, that channel? Very good question. Very good question. Right now, I work at the Pentagon, as you mentioned, and I engage with extremely high-level leadership on a daily basis. Very rarely, if any, if ever, you know, have I heard a general officer or a senior executive raise his or her command voice. You know, but what I've taken from this is that true leaders, they simply lead. You know, everyone in the room already knows who's in charge by virtue of the huge flag standing in front of his or her desk. Mm. You know, instead, you know, these leaders, they listen well and they ask amazing questions. They provide very clear guidance. They keep expectations high and they're willing to develop the team in order to see both individual and team success. Mm. Now, how do I translate that at home? Okay, exactly. That's what, because here, here you're saying they don't use their command voice, right? They just no. lead. And then, okay, exactly. yeah, how do you translate that at home? Well, I'll tell you, 
I never have to beat my chest and say that I'm dad. You know, the moment I do that, I've completely lost him, Michelle. You know, instead, I learned to simply listen better and to ask questions that require more than just a yes or no response. You know, in order to maintain order in the house, I've learned to provide very clear guidance, especially as they get older and can take on more responsibility. But the most fun part is <laughs> watching my little children develop into such caring young human beings. Mm, wow, I love that. And I think what I'm so struck with, Jackson, is that you're saying uh, when a leader knows that he's the leader, he doesn't have to shout it. He lives no. it. He just walks it out. Yeah, he walks it out. Wow. Well, like I'd said earlier, okay, got another question for you. Your guest blog was so well-received, like I told you. So for those listening that may not have read it, I think some of what you wrote in it bears repeating. So mm-hmm. I would love to ask you a little bit more about what you had written there about being a dad to three daughters so other dads can learn from you. So how about if you share the two things that you that you highlighted that have helped you as a dad navigate what I call some of the relational landmines, which I simply mean by that, the tricky things that pop up between a dad and daughters, especially when you've got three against one, not against, sure. but you get what absolutely. I mean at times. Absolutely. absolutely. So, so can you share a little bit about what you wrote? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, okay, the first goal focuses on my interactions with them, you know, my precious little daughters, while the second one centers on me. Now, I call it divide and comfort versus divide and conquer. Now, what I've discovered is that when my 13-year-old feels snap or act condescending towards her younger siblings in my presence, I have to address it immediately. Now, oftentimes, I make sharp corrections in order to de-escalate the situation, and it typically looks something like this. It's not as bad as most people think. It's <laughs> something like, this is not. I say, honey, is that your best response? <laughs> or something like, hey, does that sound like something that I or your mother would say? And or this and this one here, this is a family favorite. You know, no dumping buckets. Now everyone in the house already knows we already know what this means. It means to never intentionally demean another person. You know, we're constantly teaching respect, honor and esteem in our home during times of peace. Nevertheless, at the first opportunity, what I love to do is I love to separate my little ladies for some age-appropriate counseling, mm. comforting and family, I call family reconciliation, because it's all about bringing everyone back together. You know, what's so interesting for me during that time is learning how well they each articulate their desire to be respected by the other siblings. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. So you, okay, I love that you said you're steering them in age-appropriate ways can you give any more examples of what that looks like to help them respect each other? Well, because my two nine-year-old daughters, they so admire their big sister, and they desire to be valued, validated, and respected by her as a peer. And so I simply use the power of the word remember. I mean, it's a very simple word, but it's, I tell you, it's so powerful in our home. When acting with my 13-year-old, when interacting with her, I may say something like, hey, Lyric, do you remember when, how you felt when you were nine years old? Now, what this simply does, it, it automatically shifts her from a defensive posture and places her in a mentoring role. Now, when interacting with my nine-year-olds, I may say something like, Journey Jansen, remember, girls, you too will be teenagers very soon. Now, this, it gives them a sense of hope. And they immediately start giggling and celebrating mm. with youthful optimism. You know, honestly, I have to remember that all these little ones are simply flesh and blood looking to be accepted, seeking to be adored, and longing to be appreciated. And me as a father, it's my honor to be able to provide that for them. Mm-hmm. You know, my total heart's desire, Michelle, honestly, as a father, 
is to foster an atmosphere of love, respect, and cohesion while creating incredible memories for my kids. Mm. It's essential that each one of them know that I'm here not only to protect them physically, but emotionally as well. Yeah. Amen, brother. Preach it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I'm going to keep going here on the honesty thing because I love what you're saying. I know that the key piece to leadership is gently leading those that are in your care. And you clearly are living out the things at home that you're speaking about today. But here's my question. What do you do, honestly, when you walk in the door, hormones are bouncing off the walls at one time, and you're saying, okay, I want to remember, I want an atmosphere of love and respect and cohesion, but Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, this is a lot going on. Okay, what do you do then that models those qualities? Well, I'll tell you, my wife had to help me with this one. One thing I don't do, Michelle, is I do not match the chaos. Now, that's very important because as a dad, you walk into a situation, first thing you want to do, you, because you can. You can just start slinging stuff and yelling and screaming. No, no, no. When I'm overwhelmed, I hang my dad off-duty sign on the door, <laughs> and I retreat for a moment. And I have one of those. You dad literally have moment. it. I, I have that hanging on the door. That is awesome. <laughs> and, and everyone know, everyone respects that because I respect theirs. You know, I respect their sign. I recommend my children do the same. I send them to their respective corners. Each child has selected their own space in the home, their own safe space in the home, their room, a closet, a cubby, a desk. They have pre-selected retreats and comfort zones of their own choosing. Mm. Now, this is a quick fix, but it works every time. I say everybody separate. Everybody divide. Everyone <laughs> just separate. They go to the mm-hmm. corner for a moment. As emotions run high and tempers begin to flare, I, preserve, I prefer to preserve the peace and simply have everyone take a break until we can resolve the situation a bit later. Wow, that's powerful. Okay, so you shared about dividing comfort is your goal rather than dividing conquest, which is so good. But now let's move to the second point that you had about your own self-care. You said, this is the part that I do for me as a dad so that I'm the best dad I can be. You had a great suggestion in your blog that I want you to tell people about. Yeah, absolutely. It's very simple. Just pull over. Pull the car over. <laughs> now, after a long, stressful day at work, you know, I, I typically I look forward to jumping in my car, turning on a podcast or a favorite song and getting home as quickly as possible. I mean, there's always so much on my mind that seems impossible to turn off. I got deadlines, I got presentations, I got the next thing to do, questions, doubts, things to coordinate, things to uncoordinate. <laughs> I mean, my head's spinning right now just thinking about all the stuff I have to do. You know, and I know I'm not alone in this. You know, I often find myself taking my stress home and downloading on those unsuspecting loved ones. Yeah. Now, what used to be an everyday routine family reunion when I came home, you know, turned into a run for cover retreat, you know, for the kids. And I, said, I hate that. You know, for my family's sake, I found something helpful that I love to share, and that's it's very simple. It takes as long or as short as, as you like, and it's simply pull the car over. Pull the car over. Okay, seriously, could it be any easier? You know, pull the car over. Because I told, the, I told our listeners at the end, we're going to talk about a go step. But I think you're yeah. weaving them through this entire conversation. So dads, as you're listening today, you may say, okay, Major Jack- Jackson Drumgool knows what he's talking about. This father of the year, 2013, maybe you didn't have a role model. Let Jackson be that for you. And he's yeah. saying, pull the car over. Take a breath. Okay, we got to right. keep going on another thing you wrote about because you said that I've got to basically ground myself and get myself calm before I walk in the door. 
if yeah. I want my kids to come toward me rather than run for cover. Now, because I've told you I've been traveling to Mars for seven and a half years, talking to a lot of men, I yeah. hear a lot of them basically tell me it's impossible to leave my stress at home. You don't understand. I'm a business owner. I carry mm-hmm. it home. I never shut off. Do you have any other insights on really helping men do what you're talking about? Well, I'll tell you, I pulled something from David Code. He's the author of Kids Pick Up on Everything, How Parental Stress is Toxic to Kids. And what he suggests is the most critical thing that we transmit to our children is not our declaration of love. It's, it's not the new PlayStation. It's not the new Xbox. But to provide them with a sense of calm and the absence of stress. Now, what he suggests is that stress causes our little ones to accommodate for these vague senses of impending danger that impede normal brain development. And that's very important. You know, what he also claims is that in that famous rat experiment, what's being transmitted from mother to pup is not love, but peace. By spending a lot of time grooming her pups, the mother rat is saying to them, times are so good and stress-free that I have all this time to lick you guys. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know, now, the same reason applies to us, minus the licking, of course. <laughs> Keep that away. But this is part of our protection plan as fathers. You know, what he recommends is creating calm around them so they feel absolutely no sense of danger. So now, instead of going straight home, I found that it helps to simply pull over and decompress, put things in a proper perspective, and walk into the home, creating an atmosphere of calm, safety, peace, and protection. In fact, Michelle, I love what Proverbs 15, 4 says. It says, it reminds us that a soothing tongue is a tree of life, Mm. but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. And the very last thing I want to do is to crush my children's spirit. Right, right. Okay, so now let's make it more practical. Jackson, what do you honestly do when you walk in and you've got a teenager now, and I'm sure you can tell, whoa, things are Things are changing here. You know, it's her brain is changing. It's affecting mood and thinking and responses. So how do you respond then? Or do you have any insight about what you do when you you walk in then? You want to you want to create calm, but you've got a daughter who says, I ain't having it. I got something going on and I can't compartmentalize it or I can't calm down. So maybe she's mouthy and reactive to you with a side of attitude. So, I mean, if you even could share, do you have a personal story, maybe even about where you've blown it? Listen, I've blown it so many times, it's ridiculous, but I'll share, I'll share one of my many blunders. Okay. I've, had some, I've had some incredible wonders as well, but I'll share one of my many blunders when I totally blew it, you know, with, uh, with Lyric. She's my middle school age daughter. You know, I walked to the door after not pulling over and decompressing properly. You know, my daughter, she excitedly approached me, you know, to ask me to help her to make a smoothie, something as simple as that. She wanted to take it to school the next day. Now, I had prior knowledge that one of her classmates had been bragging about their family's new Ninja Nutri-Blender, hmm. and I kind of wanted to nip that juvenile petty comp- you know, competition in the bud, at least. That's what I thought. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so I said to her, I said, hey, you're not going to take a smoothie to school to show off for your friends. I thought that was the right response. I thought that's something what I should have said. But she responded, you don't know what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes I hear some fathers out there saying, hey, I would have whooped a belt, I pulled a belt out and did this and did that. Well, I know the difference between my daughter being disrespectful and her desire to be heard. It's a complete difference. Mm-hmm. And, you have to, and I, have to know, I have to know my child to, to, to be able to differentiate that. Well, this time she simply wanted to be heard. So she stormed off crying, and I followed behind her to apologize for not listening before making a snap judgment. Now, 
Over the next few days, I offered to teach her how to make this smoothie, but she declined by saying, never mind, and we all know what that means. <laughs> but after about a week or so, we finally got around to making this smoothie. Wow. And I've learned to listen before I speak. Mm-hmm. Listen, the hard, yeah. You learn the hard way on that one. But, I learned the hard way. But I think the, the cool thing is you're learning. Absolutely. I think, right, a true teachable spirit in a man, I believe, honors God in ways that, that impact your children for life, you know? It's okay, a process. Yeah, it's a process. So, okay, going back to the title, we, we called today's show Dads are Thermostats, Not Thermometers. Can you tell everyone what that actually means since you're the one that came up with it? Well, a thermometer simply reflects the temperature, while a thermostat regulates the temperature. The fathers, they should recognize the power of their peaceful and reassuring presence in the home. And I had to learn this myself, and the results honestly have been night and day. Okay, give me a story. Give me a night and day story that puts that into well, to real, you know, where the rubber meets the road kind of language. No, a- no a- absolutely, absolutely. So this hit home to me a, fr- a few years ago when I was really trying to prove myself as the new guy in the shop. Now, the team there made it crystal clear that I was not a welcome addition, and I knew this was going to be a tough three-year assignment with zero escape, no escape at all. Now, there seemed to be no relief in sight. My weekend seemed shorter and shorter, and some of my men know what I'm talking about. Well, during this time, I could tell that I was actually holding my children's happiness hostage as I was stressed all the time, and I found very little joy in doing anything. Okay, seriously, did, did I just hear you say... I was holding my children's happiness hostage. Absolutely. Yes. Wow. I mean, that. I believe that takes a real man to even admit that. Keep going. Tell me more. Well, well I tell you, I, I, I fell into a state of depression, to be honest. And again, a lot of men, they may or may not admit that, but it happens. I fell into a state of depression, and this robbed them of my time and my energy. Mm-hmm. But one, something happened. One Sunday afternoon, you know, as we say in old church days, one Sunday afternoon as I was grudgingly preparing for Monday morning, Colossians 3 and 23 fell on my heart like a ton of bricks, Michelle, I tell you. Mm -hmm. And it helped me to put things back in perspective. And it simply read, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Mm -hmm. I tell you, I settled that in my heart that I'm working for my Heavenly Father who loves and cares for me, and not men who judge and reject me at the slightest whim. So at that time, I began to offer myself wholeheartedly to my family, to my children, because I knew that the peace of God was far more important than any promotion. Mm-hmm. Now, incidentally, promotion came as well, you know, as I began to put God first. Mm-hmm. God put that first, it really did. Oh, my goodness. This time is going way too fast. We've just got a couple minutes left. So I would love if you, if you, do you have any stories about being a military dad, what that's really like at home, you know? I'd love yeah, to hear actually, your thoughts on that. Well, I'll tell you, I, a few years ago, I was interviewed by the Stars and Stripes magazine. The circuit of military circulation it was over in Japan and in, in, uh, in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and I was asked about some specific challenges of being a military father and asked to offer some advice. You know, many of us, especially those of us who didn't have an excellent family dynamics uh, growing up uh, or positive patriotic role models, we have a difficult time separating work and home life. Mm-hmm. Most of us went into the military running from something, but again, that's another topic <laughs> for another day. You know, uh, but I call this, and I brought this from my, I brought this term from my pastor Dave Minton. He calls it the tale of two ditches, and what he says is, you know, for every one mile of road, there are two miles of ditches, miles of ditches, one on each side. Mm-hmm. You know, in one ditch, you have like a controlling, harsh disciplinarian of a father. And in the other ditch, you have a totally detached dad. 
you know, the controlling harsh disciplinarian believes that tough love worked for him, and therefore this approach must be good for his children as well. Right. Conversely, you know, the detached dad, he feels that no one respects his leadership and guidance, so he simply disengages. He might as well be an absentee dad. Well, instead, you know, I recommend practicing compassion and balance in order to stay out of the ditches. Yeah. Well, I have one last question for you, and it's the go step. You have woven awesome ideas through our entire conversation, but if you could give dads today one action step, specific, measurable thing to do this week, what would you say so they can be thermostats and not thermometers? Absolutely. Okay, Dad. You have every tool that you need to navigate the precious field of your daughter's heart. Now, this week, I want to encourage you to do one very important thing, and that's simply listen to her. Now, let me unpack this a little bit further for you. I want you to spend time in her element by doing something that she wants to do. Get to know her all over again as she is ever-evolving. Don't be shy. Take her on a date and ask her about her friends, her favorite colors, her favorite artists. I mean, this is your baby girl, and you are her very first hero. Mm -hmm. Now, get after it, soldier. love that. Well, if you've been listening in today, you have been hearing from my friend, Major Jackson Drumgool, who is located at the Pentagon. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to understanding men. Our title today has been Dads are Thermostats, Not Thermometers. And you have heard him give you challenges all throughout this episode. You may want to listen again. Put what he says into action and listen to your daughters this week. As always, you can write me at drmichelle at thedadwhisperer.com. Let me know how it's going. You can go to my website at drmichellewatson.com where I have free resources and a bi-monthly Dad Daughter Friday blog. As always, thanks for listening in. And today, make this a day where you intentionally and consistently invest in pursuing your daughter's heart. Go Dads!